Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. We've reached the end of the week together. Welcome into a Friday edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you want to join the program, multiple ways to get connected. You can call, you can text 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. A full two-hour edition of the program tonight as we take you all the way till 8 o'clock. It is a busy, busy Friday night worth of sports. Sports Open Line coming up in about 10 minutes. John Healy from Odyssey Sports is going to join us. We'll preview the NFL weekend with him. Four games being played here in Divisional Weekend. Stu Durando is going to join us later on this hour. We'll talk SLU basketball with him. SLU on a pretty good run. They're going to take on LaSalle coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon. Of course, you'll hear that right here on your home for Billikens basketball, KMOX. And then uh, next hour, Lou Korak will be on to talk uh, Blues hockey. And Nate Gatter will be on to talk uh, both Missouri Athletics. And we'll also talk some uh, St. Louis soccer with him as well with St. Louis City SC. Uh, training camp is continuing on uh, for them and there is some uh, other news as well and uh, we'll get to that we may even um this came out today brian mcbride uh, a, a local guy not going to return as general manager of the u.s men's national team and they're still trying to figure out whether or not uh, coach greg berhalter is going to be back as well moving forward uh, may get into that a little bit as well the u.s is going to begin their first training camp of 2023 coming up on saturday and assistant coach anthony hudson is leading the team on an interim basis it feels like it is a long shot at this point for a uh, berhalter to re- return to the program but I guess uh, anything certainly can happen, and we will just have to uh, wait and see. St. Louis Blues hockey, uh, this is something I've talked about a lot, really since the season got started, because the narrative, the uh, the, the storyline that is this year's St. Louis Blues team has been periods of lots of winning and periods of lots of losing. And I have said over and over and over that I have had a hard time grasping who this team is when they go through these extremes on both sides. And in many ways, since the calendar turned to January, since the calendar turned to 2023, it has stabilized a little bit where they'll win a couple and then there's a loss and they'll win a couple more. And maybe there's a couple losses and then they come back and win a couple more in a row. It's just, it's a lot more 
alternating of wins and losses as opposed to long streaks. And what that tells me is who this team actually is is starting to come out now. And I think that's good. You look at what they've done. They've won four of their last six. They've won six of their last nine. There's some good numbers in there. They're scoring a little bit more. They put up five goals yesterday. And don't get me wrong, there are still mistakes being made by this team. There are struggles on the PK. Uh, Yesterday on the goal that was disallowed, there was not great play in front of the net. Uh, On the uh, tying goal that Nashville scored, the Blues had a really bad uh, change in there. Like there, There are mistakes that are being made, but they're doing enough things well. And I guess the question is, can they keep that going as some of these injured players start to return? We could. We could see Tory Krug tomorrow. That's at least a possibility. Uh, we could see, we will probably see Vladimir Tarasenko at some point in the next week or so. There's a ton of other guys who have been skating and participating in practice, and we could see those guys, rel- those guys relatively soon as well. So I would argue that things are looking in a somewhat up direction for the Blues during a really important next, say, three to four weeks as we come up uh, on the trade deadline, which is a little bit more than a month away for them to really give the opportunity and show who they really are and if they are a team that can make some sort of run in the playoffs. Right now they are sitting with 49 points. They are two points behind Calgary, who has 51 points, and Calgary is the final wild card right now in the Western Conference. The Blues and Calgary have played the same number of games, and uh, they're two points behind them. That being said, Colorado has played three less games than Calgary, 43, and they also have 49 points, just two points behind. So Colorado is in a little bit of a better spot considering uh, where they're at with the number of games played. Uh, And, yeah, they're going to uh, tomorrow. The Blues are set to match up against uh, Chicago as they are going to take on the Blackhawks. Then Tuesday they take on Buffalo, and that's going to end their seven-game homestand, and then they are going to hit the road once again. But it feels like, it feels like, the Blues are trending in the right direction, and it feels like it's real finally. That That's probably my main point here. It feels like it's real that this is who they are. There's been a lot of periods this year where they've played pretty good hockey, but they haven't been able to sustain it. And you look, if they if they do what they have done in the month of January so far and just continue to repeat that over and over and over, that version of the Blues is a playoff team, and that version of the Blues is pretty good. I don't know if that version of the Blues is going to make a, pl- a playoff run. Uh, I think they're into the playoffs. I still think they are not to the stature of some of these other teams. But you know what? I say all that. Who in the West like really, really impresses you? Dallas has the best record. Uh, well, they've got the most points. They've got 61 points in 47 games played. They're 27, 13, and 7. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've sat here and watched every single Dallas Stars game, but they're they're not this amazing, fantastic team. Like what Colorado has been in the regular season for the last couple of years, I don't know if that exists in the Western Conference so far this year. In the Eastern Conference, it does with Boston. They're really good. They are They are scary good right now. Uh, I don't. I don't know if there's another team in the NHL that I look at the way I look at Boston, and and in the West, it 
I say all this about are the Blues a team that can make a run in the playoffs, and then I look up and down at the teams that are in the playoffs, and I feel like the Blues would have a puncher shot uh, against any of those teams. So get in, do what you got to do, get in and see what happens there. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, when we return, we are uh, set to uh, talk some NFL football as John Healy with Odyssey Sports is set to join us in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. Matt Pauley with you here on a Friday night. It's a big weekend coming up. Divisional round action in the NFL playoffs. Two games coming up tomorrow. Two games coming up on Sunday. We are your home for the Chiefs here in St. Louis. So we will get to uh, Chiefs football as soon as we uh, wrap up St. Louis University Billikens basketball tomorrow. Chiefs are going to be at home uh, at Arrowhead as they match up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, we're very happy to uh, welcome on part of the Odyssey sports team. We're proudly an Odyssey station. So uh, he's my teammate. He is John Healy. You follow him on Twitter at JP Healy. John, thanks so much for taking some time. How are you? 
I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, doing all right. What's the game this weekend that you are most looking forward to watching? Um, well, I'm a little biased because I'm out here in New Jersey and I grew up watching the Giants. So me personally, I am looking forward to the Giants-Eagles matchup tomorrow. Um, you know, the Giants, what they've done this year under uh, Brian Dable has been uh, really impressive. And coming off that win against the Vikings, I'm, I'm starting to believe in the Giants a little here. I think they do have the potential to pull off um, an upset against the Eagles. The Eagles have kind of been um, stumbling toward the finish line. They've had some injuries. And um, I think it's really going to come down to, you know, what we're going to get, what you're going to get out of Jalen Hurts tomorrow, quarterback for the Eagles, if that shoulder is 100% healthy. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. It seems like for years the Giants were just kind of swimming in place, and you mentioned Brian Dable and the job he's done. Can you speak to that a little bit and just what you have seen out of Dable? Yeah, um, I mean, right out of the gate, that first week one game against the Titans where um, you know they scored that touchdown um, late in the fourth quarter and he decided to go for two instead of tying it to send the overtime. I think that really set the tone for the season, you know, what kind of coach he was going to be. He was going to be aggressive. And, um, you know, you look around at the Giants team and, you know, you see the improvements that Daniel Jones, you know, Giants didn't um, pick up his fifth-year options, which usually spells the end of the line for the quarterback. And what and Daniel Jones has improved so much this year. You know, they're not talking extension with him um, and just seeing him improve. And to see him do it with really not a great supporting cast. I mean, yeah, he's got Saquon Barkley in the backfield, but you look at that receiving core and, you know, it's Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. Like, these guys, no one really knows who they are. Like, so what he's doing, um, you know, he's he's doing the most with uh, the least amount of weapons around him as far as uh, if you look around the other teams that are left. They finished out the regular season going 2-5-1 and one in their last eight regular season games. They included losing two of their final three. But then, as you mentioned, they beat Minnesota on the road. Did they look much different to you in that Minnesota win as compared to kind of limping down through the second half of the season? Yeah, they kind of, um, yeah. Um, I thought I was shocked the way they kind of played last week. It was, it was flawless. They, it was their best game in the season by far. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better game uh, from Daniel Jones. Uh, the defense played great. You know, Dexter Lawrence up on the, uh, on that pass on the uh, front line there is, uh, you know, he's a game changer. And, uh, you know, he came over as part of that Odell Beckham Jr. deal. Um, I think it, he was the draft pick that the Giants got from the Browns that they used to draft uh, Lawrence. And that's now actually starting to look like a pretty good uh, pretty good deal how that all turned out. So, um, yeah, I mean, can they play like that again? I don't know. I mean, but, um, you know, it just seems like, um, you know, they put it all together at the right time last week, so we'll see what happens tomorrow. The two AFC teams in Kansas City and Buffalo, those are the two teams that have the best odds to win the Super Bowl this year. Which team between those two, and again, I know you're out east, but between the Chiefs and the Bills, if it comes down to that neutral site AFC championship game between them, who do you like? Yeah, you know, um, I'm still not totally sure. Um I, it kind of just feels like maybe this is the Bills' year. Um, I know they got a lot of emotional baggage behind them with the DeMar Hamlin stuff and everything. Um, but at the same time, I just can't help but feel like the Chiefs are the better team, um, especially if you look at the way you know Josh Allen led the league in turnovers this year. He's his own worst enemy for as good as he is. 
And if it's coming down to someone making a big play at the end of the game, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, I'm thinking Patrick Mahomes. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little unsure if the Bills can make it past the Bengals this week. I'm still going with the Bills because the Bengals' offensive line is a little banged up, and I don't know how that's going to affect Burrow. But I think, um, yeah, I think the Bills-Bengals this week is going to be a really close, good game to watch too. So you don't expect Jacksonville to, uh, to really challenge Kansas City in Kansas City? Um, I wouldn't, I'd be surprised yeah. if, uh, Jacksonville, um, were to pull off an upset. Um, I think they may, they, they could keep it close. You know, um, Kansas city beat them by 10 earlier in the year. Um, you know, the chiefs still put up 500 yards of offense, even though they turned the ball, I think they turned the ball over three times that game. Um, but you know, Jacksonville's a nice story. They're coming off the big win. Doug Peterson's done a tremendous job. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I know he got four interceptions, but he's really starting to look more like the quarterback everyone thought he would. But I, I just, I just don't see it. Uh, the yeah. Chiefs are just way too experienced, way too talented, and I just can't see, that, especially a home game at Arrowhead. There's no way in my mind. I, I don't know about you. I think the game I'm most looking forward to is the one we haven't talked about yet, and that's the Cowboys and the 49ers. The Cowboys have so much talent, but now you add in the narrative of what's going on with their with their kicker, missing extra points, uh, 49ers, and, and Brock Purdy doing his thing. Like there's, there's just so many narratives coming out of this Cowboys 49ers game. Yeah, um, you know, it's um, yeah. I, all four of these matchups could end up being really good. Um, it's by far the biggest test for Brock Purdy. Um, I, I don't think he's faced a defense as tough as Dallas yet. Um, you know, Micah Parsons, what he, the way he can influence a game on the defensive end is, uh, you know, like, you know, it's, that's rare to see in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see how Purdy responds. I mean, I think San Francisco is, um, you know, one – the most balanced team, in, at least in the NFC. And, you know, Purdy's been phenomenal up until now, but um, we're really going to see what he's made of. And we're really going to see, you know, is it, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers system that's been attributing to his success, or is he really, you know, or can he elevate to the next level and beat a team like the Cowboys if it, you know, if there, you know, comes down to them and, you know, on a two minute drive at the end of the game. Um, at the same time, I do wonder if it's a close game. Can, can the Cowboys trust Brett Maher to make a field goal with the game on the line? That's going to be another interesting thing to watch. John Healy with Odyssey Sports continuing to uh, chat with us for a couple more minutes, talking all things NFL football. Uh, in Tampa Bay, they fired Byron Leftwich. They got rid of uh, a lot of their, their other offensive coaches. Does that signal to you that Tom Brady's time in Tampa Bay is going to come to an end? Um. Yeah, I, I I don't know if he'll be back in Tampa Bay. I personally think maybe it's time for Tom to just finally hang it up. I don't think he will. Um, but you know, you you could argue you can see it both ways. I guess like some people may think Tom has the you know he calls he has a lot of he has enough power to call the shots and get the coordinator he would want there. But um, you know, he had success under with Leftwich as coordinator. They won a Super Bowl together. Um, I think it just seems like it's the end of the road for him in Tampa, um, and he'll be playing elsewhere next year. Um, the Raiders seem to be the uh, the hot spot everyone's thinking. <laughs> John Healy joining us here on Sports Open Line. Follow him on Twitter at JP Healy as part of the team at uh, Odyssey Sports. John, thank you so much for taking some time. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the games, and we'll catch up again soon. 
Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. There's John Healy joining us here on Sports Open Line. Um, I didn't think last weekend's NFL weekend was a very good weekend, to be honest with you. And I'm look, I'm not a huge NFL guy like a lot of us in St. Louis feel that way. But I, I've talked about it on this show. I thought the week 18 of the NFL regular season was fantastic with some of the things that happened, whether it was that Titans-Jaguars game, uh, everything that happened with Houston. So I'm not like this guy who's always going to be anti-NFL. That's the point I'm trying to make here. I thought wildcard weekend kind of stunk, to be perfectly honest with you. I've got Not to be a hot take guy here, that's not me. But you know what? That Jaguars-Chargers game, everybody says that's a great game. No, it's not. That game stinks because what happened, it's a great comeback. It's not a great game. It's a great comeback. There's a difference. A great game is tight throughout, compelling things happening throughout the course of the game. What that game was, was one team scoring a ton of points early and then another team scoring a bunch of teams late, and we had some really cool drama at the end. But for the most part, that game stunk. That's not a good game. I I don't... I don't think those are great games. I think they're great comebacks, and there's a difference. Yeah, there was a lot of criticism of the TV broadcast of that game because of the energy. And as a professional broadcaster, you should be able to be energetic about games that you're doing no matter what. But it's it's really easy as a broadcaster to get like kind of lulled to sleep by a bad game, and then all of a sudden it gets good, and you have to go try to find that energy again, and that's not the easiest thing. That sounds like I'm making excuses for folks. I'm not. I'm just saying that's not a good game. Uh, that Bills-Dolphins game, that was a good game, but it shouldn't have been because the Bills are so much better than the Dolphins. Well, With all due respect to uh, to John Healy, Giants and Vikings, those teams stink. Those teams aren't very good. Those teams are completely non-compelling. I like compelling teams, and there is nothing compelling about the Giants outside of them having a first-year coach, and there's nothing compelling about the Vikings except for for the fact that you wonder how bad can a 13-win team be. Ravens-Bengals wasn't that good. Cowboys-Buccaneers, all we were doing was watching to see how many extra points the, the kicker, Marr, for the Cowboys could miss. It was not a good weekend of NFL football last weekend. It just wasn't. Those games were not very good. And now I look at this weekend, and I kind of have the expectation for the exact same thing. The only game that on paper I think is going to be really good is Cowboys-Niners. I think that game is going to be fantastic. Jaguars-Chiefs, Chiefs better roll. Giants-Eagles, Eagles should roll. Bengals-Bills, same thing with Buffalo. I guess the only question is what Buffalo did. That you know, that Maybe I'm not giving the Bengals the credit they deserve, uh, but especially with what the Bills did against the Dolphins, letting them stick around. Maybe I'm not being fair on that one. But, yeah, it's for the most part, I'm not, I'm not overly excited about these games. And I hope I'm wrong. I li- there's, there's times where I like being wrong, and this is one of them. I hope. I am wrong, and I hope it's a great weekend of NFL football. Slew basketball back at it tomorrow. They are going to uh, take on LaSalle over at Chaffetz Arena. We'll uh, preview that game and talk uh, Billikens basketball with Stu Durando from the Post-Dispatch and STL today. That's next at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Billikens basketball tomorrow afternoon here on KMOX. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr. have the call of the game, a 1.30 tip from the Chaffetz Arena. That means our coverage will begin just after 1.15. Right now, we're very happy to welcome onto the program somebody who covers the team for the Post-Dispatch and STL today. He is Stu Durando. Follow him on Twitter at Stu Durando. Stu, thanks for your time as always. How are you? 
Hey, good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. This team is playing some pretty good basketball. They're winning some games right now. You look at their 8-10 record at 5-1. and one. Do you feel like they're playing demonstrably better than, say, the end of the non-conference season, or is it more of a case of the A-10 isn't a very good league, so at times they're playing some opponents that aren't great? No. Well, yeah, considering that their last game in non-conference was the Edwardsville loss, yeah. um, yes, <laughs> they are playing demonstrably better. Um, they haven't played the top of the Atlantic 10 yet, but um, – you know, to start five and one is pretty strong. The good thing um, I'd say about it is that um, they've won three road games. Uh, they lost one that people think, you know, that they probably should have won at UMass. But uh, regardless, they've struggled in past seasons on the road in the Atlantic 10, and they've started three and one, and that's a good sign for them. Who do you give the credit to for them finding a way to kind of reverse things as A-10 play opened up? Oh boy! It's, I mean, you can't put your finger on one person or one thing necessarily. Um, you know, Yuri's been Yuri, and um, you know they just—they're getting con- contributions from a lot of people. Probably a few more guys in in games than they were before. Uh, Javante Perkins has just been excellent the last few games, and if they can continue to get. Um, these types of performances out of him, that's going to change the whole look of the team going forward because he's been so hit and miss um, up until the start of January with his offense. So uh, that, that's been one of the really major factors uh, in the success so far. They're, they're shooting 51% from the field and league play, and they're just under 40% on, on three-point shots. That's a lot better than what they were doing for, for their non-conference numbers. Yeah. What's le- is, it, is it them running the offensive system better? Like what, what do you attribute that to? No, I mean, they were expected to be a, a very good three-point shooting team um, specifically, and uh, were not good at all in non-conference for, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, Gibson, Jimerson wasn't quite up to what he usually is. Javante could not get going at all. Sincere Parker, who was thought to be a, a tremendous shooter, uh, was playing in very short uh, chunks of time and I thought maybe couldn't get a rhythm going. And so he started, I think, two for 23 behind the arc. So now you've got um, Javante warming up. Uh, he's still got Jimerson, who's hit and miss, but he can really get on runs. Sincere Parker's playing more minutes and I think getting into the flow of the game. And so he's uh, been pretty hot the last three or four games. Larry Hughes is adding to that a little bit um, with his extra minutes, and he's a pretty good shooter. So you're getting a, a little bit wider range. Even And Terrence Hargrove Jr. can also shoot the three um, with some consistency. So when you've got all those guys um, hitting, or at least a few of them uh, being sharp in a given game, they're going to be better than they were in the non-conference. Yeah, you mentioned two guys there that I'm especially interested in, in Sincere Parker and Larry Hughes Jr. And we have seen, as you just alluded to, we have seen development from each of those players as the season has gone along. If that development continues on, how how much more dangerous can they be as this team tries to make their way uh, into the NCAA tournament if they can go on an A-10 tournament run? I think it's really important because I we've seen in the last couple of weeks some of the combinations that include the bench players are as good as the combinations with the starters at times. Um, 
at Loyola the other night. They had four guys, uh, I think four players, three starters on the bench with two fouls in the last five or so minutes of the first half. They had reserves on the floor, and that was the group that rallied them. Parker got hot, started making shots, and um, sometimes that group of like Hughes, Forrester, Parker, Hargrove together um, is a a really good unit. Bob Ramsey said when he opened up the broadcast the other night in Chicago that it felt like a Cardinals game at Wrigley Field with how many Cardinals fans make their way to Chicago. Well, uh, I mean, I, I didn't – what was the the split? Or, I mean, how, how impressive was it, the number of Billikens fans that made their way to Chicago? It was pretty good. Um, I would guess maybe a third with slew fans. And then, when, you know, when, when the Billikens got on their runs, it really was noticeable. Um the enthusiasm, the noise for Loyola was really, really loud and and strong early until uh, Slew kind of took took charge. But um, the boosters and and fans have been waiting for this game, you know, with Loyola joining the A10 and getting a chance to go, you know, make the shortest trip. Now Dayton was the shortest trip. Now Chicago's the shortest trip. So there were a lot of boosters up there. Um, some fans made their way up there. It, it would have been better if it would have been a week weekend game instead of a weeknight game maybe that'll uh that'll happen in future years because i think slew will play loyola twice each year moving forward but yeah it was really it was a really good showing and the crowd was pretty strong it's a good atmosphere a nice arena what the heck happened to loyola like they've been so good i mean is it just their coach you know porter leaves and they're zero and six in league play i get that they're stepping up to the a10 but uh, right. I, I, I wasn't following along, and then that game is coming up, and I'm reading the game notes and everything. It's like, what in the world is happening in Chicago? Yeah, they're just trying to get their reestablish their footing. It's the second year for the coach. Um, I think they were pretty good last year, finishing up the MVC, and then this year just as you know, for whatever reason, the mix of transfers and and guys uh, who stayed is just not not come around. I mean, they did beat. Clemson, which is now a nationally ranked team, mm-hmm. uh, when they got hot from three. And um, that's how they started against SLU the other night. They started by making, I think, four or five threes in the first 10 minutes, and they were leading. But when they don't have that going on, um, yeah, they're not the, the Loyola teams that we know of the last five years, and, and the Billikens exploited that. LaSalle tomorrow, like, I don't even know what to ask you. They're they're an okay team, but this feels like a day where if SLU puts the effort on the floor that they've been putting for the last couple of weeks, they should be a way to be able to come away with a victory, especially at home. Yeah, they've got a – if they're considering any hope of, a you know, being in the at-large discussion at the end of the season, which will require an incredible A-10 record, they're going to have to win everything from here on out at home. And uh, LaSalle is a, a definite – you know, must win. Um, LaSalle, you know, they're one of those teams toward the bottom of the league that kind of, they look similar in terms of record and so on. They've been good on the road though. They, I think they've been maybe as good as any team in the conference on the road, which isn't saying a lot, but I think they're three and three away from home. And so, you know, they're not uh, intimidated by, by being on the road. He is Stu Durando. You read him in it on uh, STL Today. You read him in the Post-Dispatch. You follow him on Twitter at Stu Durando. Stu, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy not traveling uh, this weekend, and we'll talk to you again real soon. 
Good deal. Thanks for having me. All right, you bet. There's Stu Durando joining us here on Sports Open Line. Again, Billikens basketball tomorrow afternoon as they are set to take on LaSalle. That is a 1.30 tip-off tomorrow afternoon at Chaffetz Arena. It's uh, an alumni reunion weekend, so that's always uh, pretty cool. 1.30 for the tip-off. Our coverage begins just after 1.15. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr. have the call of the game for you. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up our number one of the program. This is Sports Open Line. More in a moment right here on KMOX. Taking you through a Friday night here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Uh, we are building up our digital-only content at KMOX.com and on the Odyssey app. I've been doing some more uh, podcasts that uh, they they never hit the air here at KMOX. The only way you access them is at uh, KMOX.com and on the Odyssey app specifically, uh, through the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. Hopefully that's something that you're watching for because that that podcast feed does two things. First off, anything that we do on air, Cardinals-related, any show, anytime, whatever, we are throwing that onto the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. So say maybe you missed something from our weekend of interviews at Winter Warm-Up. That's all available for you. But then uh, I'll be continuing to uh, put together some exclusive podcasts just for that podcast feed. I did that during during uh, the winter meetings where we did a daily wrap-up of what went on. Uh, and then we'll do some other weekly podcasts. We started a new feature where uh, there's there's these amazing people out there, whether they're bloggers or podcasters, they're really smart baseball people. And they're not professional journalists, but they know baseball. And I'm somebody, I love having good baseball conversations. It doesn't matter if you're an active, you know, member of the broadcasting industry or not. I enjoy having good baseball conversations. So what we do each week is I, I I choose one of these people who've got a little bit of a digital presence in terms of what they do talking about the Cardinals. And I, I talk to them. We, it's not really an interview. It's just a, it's a baseball conversation for 20, 25 minutes with somebody who's smart. Uh, this week, our conversation was with a guy by the name of Kyle Reese. He uh, does stuff with uh, birds on the black and uh, you can find that it's called social media conversation. It's a Cardscast podcast. It's available on the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed, and we're going to do a conversation like that on an every week basis, so I would encourage you to check that out, and we are going to continue to uh, expand to uh, more and more uh, digital-only offerings for you that you'll be able to uh, check out if you're looking for uh, more Cardinals content to consume. Say that three times real fast. Cardinals content to consume. Cardinals content to consume. That's twice. Uh, Earlier in the week, There was a report, I saw it on MLB Trade Rumors, that the Cardinals were maybe talking to Miami about Pablo Lopez. In theory, I like that. Pablo Lopez makes the rotation better. I think you kind of slot him in as the number two guy in the rotation behind Jack Flaherty. Uh, I, I, with all due respect to everybody else, like that's, that's something, that's a move that I would like the Cardinals to make. Now, when you start to think through it, like how do you get that deal done? There's 40-man implications. There's what prospects you give up implications. How good is Pablo Lopez? How much does he really add to your team? There's a lot of questions that go along with it, questions that we don't need to worry about now because Lopez got moved, and he got moved in a trade between the Marlins and Twins. And I don't know what anybody's doing here, to be perfectly honest with you. I saw this trade, and I went, what? 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 Why? So the entire trade is 
Pablo Lopez and two prospects moved in exchange for Luis Arise, who's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Arise is a really, really good player. So Lopez heads to Minnesota, and they've got a guy that they're going to slot near the top of their rotation, and they they bring in two solid prospects in uh, Jose Salas, who's a shortstop, and then an outfielder in uh, Byron Trio. These are young prospects. It's going to be a while till either of these guys are in the big leagues, but they're good prospects. If I'm Miami, why are you trading away prospects? The only first off, Miami's not competing for anything this year. With all due respect to the Marlins, with all due respect to, to Skip Schumacher, who I think, if given a legitimate opportunity, can be a really good major league manager. There's just there's no chance. There is no chance for the Miami Marlins to do anything of significance this year. That division is too good at the top with the Phillies, the Mets, and the Braves, whatever order you want to put them in. There's too much money being spent by the Phillies and Mets, and there's too many really high-level players that have been locked into long-term deals by the Braves. That division may be... There's not a division in baseball that has a better top three than the National League East. So if you're the Miami Marlins, you're not playing for anything this year. And I know you can't take that attitude into the season, but if you're being honest with yourself, you're not playing for anything this year. So what are you doing trading away really young prospects who are well-regarded, like these are not prospects who are AAA guys who probably don't see a spot for this upcoming season, and you're going to need to add them to the 40-man roster next season. So you got to either get something for them or you risk losing them. Like that's not the case here. These are guys that you got a ton of club control over. Uh, I just it, okay. So you bring in Luis Arise, and he's a good hitter, and he makes you a little bit better this year. But he doesn't make you better to the point that you're going to be contending for anything in the NL East, and then. From a from a twin standpoint, you bring in Pablo Lo, yeah, you bring in Pablo Lopez. That's good, and and but I don't know what I don't know what they're doing, and I, I think the Twins' entire offseason changed when they got Carlos Correa because it kind of felt like the Twins were halfway in, and then all of a sudden Correa falls into their lap. Did they make a promise to Correa? Did they say, okay, you're going to come back and you're going to sign a multi-year deal? So we got we'll we'll do something. We'll do something. And this is it. I just, I don't know. Uh, sports producer Ethan Hannaford in for Matt Pajeski today. I don't, I don't, I don't think either of these teams get much better in all this hole. No, I completely agree. And I think it, it's it's tough because from a standpoint, if you're a Twins fan, you're looking at this saying, okay, well, we probably needed to get a little bit better in the rotation department. It's not a very strong rotation, but you're losing out on the 2022. Batting champ. Yeah. And I mean, he's a, he's young. He's only 25. It seemed like if you were going to build on a cornerstone piece, that's the guy. Um, the, the twins have a solid prospect system, a solid farm system right now. Uh, Jose Salasi, you said, goes from um, the fifth best prospect in the Marlins organization to the 13th best in the twins organization, just to give you an idea of how strong it is. So if you're going to give pieces away, don't you think you'd be wanting to give some of those prospects away to build up for the now, especially with just signing Carlos Correa? I'm not fully convinced on Pablo Lopez. He doesn't seem like a convincing piece. I don't think he makes them that much better to where maybe you could argue in the central they're 
competing a little bit. It's a weak division. I don't think that, like you said, either team really wins this trade. If anything, if I'm the Marlins, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, the guys that we gave away, the prospects a little ways away. This is a guy in a rise. We can build off of a little bit for the next several years. Like I said, he's only 25. Besides that, seems like a very odd trade for both teams. Yeah, maybe and maybe neither team was looking for this upcoming season. Uh, fun bit of information on this. ESPN Stats and Information says that Arise is the first player to win a batting championship and then be traded in the offseason since Rod Carew won the American League batting title in 1978 with the Twins, and then was traded to the Angels ahead of the 1979 season. So uh, it doesn't happen very often. It happens here. It doesn't feel like either of these teams are much better because of it. And we'll just see how that uh, ends up playing out. Coming up in hour number two of the program, uh, we'll play some audio from Craig Berube. He spoke to the media earlier today. We'll hear from uh, Luke Korak. He covers the Blues for NHL.com. And we'll talk some soccer and Mizzou athletics with Nate Gatter. He'll join us at 735. That is all coming up. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. My name is Matt, Matt Pauley. Sports Open Line on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.